A bit of housekeeping as we begin. If you find yourself wandering in the permaculture pit, full of knowledge and enthusiasm, but not sure about your next step forward, I'm here to help guide you up, out, and onward with a meandering session. In an hour-long phone call, together we'll explore your specific situation and collaborate on actions you can take as soon as we end the conversation. Find out more at thepermaculturepodcast.com slash meandering or schedule a session today at calendly.com slash permaculture. If you enjoy this episode of the Permaculture Podcast and would like more from the show, become a member of the Patreon community today. Choose the Trunk Pledge level and you'll join the Forest Council, which guides the direction of the show. As a branch, you'll be enrolled in the Forest Wisdom Service, where every quarter you'll receive a box curated, crafted, and assembled by me just for you. Ascend to the canopy and you'll join me in the Mystagogue Circle for a broad, personalized, one-on-one permaculture education and an invitation to join in my classes and courses throughout the year. Reward tiers begin at just $1 per month. Join now at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast. My buddy Vinny has an opportunity if you or anyone you know would be interested. So if you hear this, and you know it's not for you, but you know someone who might be a good fit for this, pass along my information so they can get in touch. Vinny and his wife Pamela have a mostly wooded, off-grid homestead near Watkins Glen in the Finger Lakes region of New York. They're looking for some younger folks to move to, love, and live on this land now, and to care for it long after Vinny and Pamela have passed on. They'd like someone who will continue to grow the garden, add to the existing agroforestry plantings and permaculture design, and build upon their current projects, such as the aquaponics system and rocket mass heater. They're still figuring out how this arrangement will work in practice, as everyone brings their own unique background and particular ideas, skills, and interests with them. If you'd like to find out more, send me an email, show at thepermaculturepodcast.com, with the subject, New York Homestead. Be sure to include in your message the best way to contact you, where you're from, and why you're interested. I'll pass all that along to Vinny and Pamela so they can follow up with you directly. This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann. Today's interview is a casual and relaxed conversation as I sit down with my co-host David Bilbrey and turn the mic towards him to discuss what brought him to permaculture and the ideas that influence how he sees the world. We touch on the work of Ken Wilber and Integral Theory, what community can mean in an internet-connected age, how podcasts make the world smaller as we hear from people and their ideas which we might not encounter otherwise, and the importance of sitting down to listen to a conversation between two people. Enjoy this time with David, and I'll join you again after. Then, David, you've been my co-host for a number of years, produced quite a few interviews for the Permaculture Podcast in our time together. And so I thought it'd be fun, you know, it's almost the 11th anniversary of the show, for us to kind of circle around and have a conversation about you and why you've been exploring the conversations that you have and integrating these different ideas of business and integral theory and whole systems theory with permaculture and 
looking at more than just our landscapes or our social structures, but applying it to the work that people do. Can you give us a bit of your background and how you came to all of this? I grew up a kid, you know, a child of the 80s, graduated high school, started college in the late 80s. And that's a weird decade, right? Especially looking back on it. And I always felt like something was wrong, right? But I couldn't put my finger on it. I wasn't into the commercialism of the 80s. I hated the pop music of the 80s, right? I grew up in classic rock, but then got really into the alternative stuff. So anyway, like I knew something was wrong. I was always sort of towards the edge and alternative. I was into cycling, not football. And, and cycling was super alternative in the 80s. It wasn't as big as it is now, right? So in uh, 2011, I was at a friend's house on my birthday, and they showed me a Jeff Lawton video and uh, the, the seven-layer food forest. And there's another one about this uh, Vietnamese family that had been on the same land for generations. It's like two acres that they knew the uses for food and medicine and all of that. And so it just blew my mind because the sort of, you know, multi-layer food forest, the resilience, the redundancy of, of function, all of that was just like, oh my God, this makes so much sense, right? Where's it been all my life? And why, does it, why don't more people know about this, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was a huge like aha moment. And I'm not sure the time frame, but very shortly thereafter, I started thinking about, well, so this is amazing, but how do these ideas apply to economics and politics and those different things? And there, it turns out there was already people have been thinking about that some for decades, uh, regenerative business and, and all of those things that tie in intimately with regenerative ag agriculture in some cases. So that's resulted in a series of interviews that we've done over the last several years with different people working in those different realms. The last couple of years have highlighted not only the things that I was thinking about were important, but that they're really incredibly essential for us to understand if we're going to move forward as a, as a human race, right? Not just as Americans, but as a, as, a, as a human culture on the earth, because a lot of things are at a sort of a breaking point in which something very different has to happen, right? And significant change in individual lives or groups of people or nations never happens without great disruption anyway. So in the sense that there's disruption, that's hopeful because it has that has to happen as a sort of a first step before things can really change. But it's a different world and it's making me think more actively about how I, what I can do, how I can be involved to help move things forward podcasting for sure, but also as our projects on the ground, I can get involved in where I'm living and I'm living in a newer place. I've been about a year now. So the activist pieces may be getting activated even a little bit more so here recently. And it's been interesting for me because my focus so much on the show in the first couple of years was about the on the ground practice of permaculture, looking a lot at like homesteaders and people who are working on the ground in their gardens and things, because that was the space that I came from. My parents kept a garden all of my childhood. My father was a farmer. But then as I got further into it, it was this feeling that we can grow food. We have a lot of knowledge of that. There's a lot of information available for anybody who wants to. And so it was more and more about the social structures and these pieces that are kind of on the edge of our conversation, the things that you'll find in chapter 14 of the designer's manual. What are alternative economics? What are different ways we can organize? And so that was the direction that I went in. And when you and I started our conversations, I was really interested in it because you had such a focus on business. Your background in sales and everything you had done throughout your career was just a completely different perspective from my own. And then when we were talking about what kind of interviews could you record and what would kind of fit with the mold, hearing your passion and interest for 
this side of things. And then also your knowledge of these ideas of like Ken Wilber and his work with integral theory. I was familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, or like the work of Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning and this other world that you exposed me to. So I was wondering if you might speak a little bit about that and how that integrates into the thoughts that continue to drive you. Integral theory and Ken Wilber's work is kind of, I wouldn't say it was the like, aha, you know, sort of worldview transforming moment that the food forest was, but it's certainly a continuation. And I can even understand different groups within permaculture better because of the understanding of integral theory, right? Because you can have people on a real simple level, you can have people that are sort of the preppers that want a permaculture food forest because they're worried about the end of the world and all systems breaking down. And you have people that are just in love with the idea and want to grow beautiful food and nutrition and do their yoga in their garden, right? So there's some significantly different people involved in permaculture, the same beautiful food forest for very different reasons and motives and very different politics and spiritual worldviews, all of that. Permaculture only gets you so far. And so seeing a system that has broken it down into a little bit more specific and deeper understanding sociologically, psychologically, has been really illuminative for me. And it's one of those things that integral theory is hard to just explain as an introduction. It's better hearing people talk about maybe something happened in politics or business or a movie and like the different levels of or memes of development, stages of development that were being the characters were functioning on kind of thing. You kind of have to hear examples. And there's actually, Ken Wilber wrote a, a novel and does exactly that. I think it's called Boomeritis, which is even funnier. The title's funnier now. It was written a long time ago before the boomer was a slang term for an insult. But the thing that's interesting about integral theory is there's this whole group of people and generations learned from Ken Wilber, who's getting older now and have done real world projects and are actively practicing how those ideas can change business, flat organizational structures in a corporation like the interview we had a couple months ago developmental politics, how we come to understand what's going on, why people think the way they do, and how we can move forward with, he really goes into detail on values and ethics, Steve McIntosh, who wrote developmental politics. And so having whole systems thinking, but deeper intelligence for these specific spheres has been really interesting. And those people don't really know much about the permaculture world. I've been looking for someone who's into permaculture and integral theory and vice versa. One upcoming interview that I'm working on is these guys that do, it's called integral recovery. And so it's instead of just AA, where you go to meetings and have one thing, it's looking at all the different levels of development of life. You start exercising, get that part going, meditation, reading and understanding. Like, how do you become a whole more activated person versus how do I just stop killing myself? Because, you, you know, some people will, are like, they're going to realize it's so dangerous. They just got to quit. But other people are, it's not that serious, right? But it's stopping mm-hmm. them from becoming more of a whole person. So having that whole perspective on how to become more whole is going to get you sober, but it's going to also get you a lot more, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, those guys have a deep understanding for human psychology, how to help people dramatically change their habits and stuff and are just super sweet guys. So I'm excited to have them on because they'll help sort of introduce integral theory a little bit in a specific context. You say that you're looking for those folks who do integral theory and permaculture or permaculture and integral theory, but it sounds like you're kind of on the road to be that person and to bridge that conversation. That's the funny thing about the guy who wrote the integral recovery book. He was talking about when he was like trying to find people that were doing integral recovery stuff and he was looking around and talking to people and he's like, oh, finally realized, I guess I'm it. I got to write that book. 
right? And and Ken Wilber was super supportive, and, and so he became that guy, right? And he really thought it should fit together, and wanted to find him, and couldn't find him. So yeah, what keeps bringing you back to this idea? Because it's something in our conversations, you know, it's been years that you've been continuing to, hate to say this, integrate this idea into your work and to your practice. Is it the way that it kind of builds on top of the base of permaculture and whole systems thinking and allows you to apply those ideas more deeply and fully to human beings and our practices? Yeah, because it gives a toolkit and even some language to how you would create a resilient system in the, in the context of an office, the government of the United States of America. Like, what, what does that look like? What's involved? What are the strengths and weaknesses involved in that kind of a system and it has language for that and you know one of the examples that they refer to and there's several different people who have done systems that have different sort of coding but the book i read that processed it or introduced it to me was spiral dynamics and so it's talking about different like developmental memes so beige was survival like caveman kind of thing purple was mythical magical tribal some religion starting to get in there blue was like conservative christian american whatever red was sort of warlord then there's like green that's more uh, ecological and egalitarian, that kind of thing. And then it, so this goes on up the, the rung. So that's not that one's better than the other. Everyone goes through those stages as an individual from a baby to an adult as a culture, right? So it's, it's just understanding what's going on in each of those levels. And if you have friends that are stuck, because there's healthy and unhealthy aspects of each of those levels, right? So if you have people that are stuck, you can help them maybe open up some ideas that help them get unstuck and kind of move, evolve to the next level of development. So it's that having a context for that. And there's a couple different ways that they break that down for quadrants, looking from an individual I space to a we space to it, it and it's. So the sort of collective perspective, both an interior and exterior collective. So there's several different pieces where it gives you a framework to look at the world and at current events that enable you to start to figure out how to uh, grow, right? See the four things that Ken Wilber talks about is waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. And so mm -hmm. he goes into details about that. But seeing like, how do I grow and move forward as a human being initially, right? And then I've always been sort of about how do I change the world and transform the world? And so permaculture was like, wow, that, that definitely helps, right? And then the integral piece gives more depth and actual people practicing it on the ground, but it's not a, it's not a prescription. It's more of a, a framework and a worldview to work from, to apply to whatever situation or setting that you're in. And the thing that's interesting about it too, is there's not right or wrong. It's true, but partial, right? And, and then the other thing that he talks about commonly is transcend and include. So instead of just, they're all wrong and forget all that, you're transcending that that previous stage, but including it and making a place for it because it has to be there. And it's important that the conservative people are there and the egalitarian environmentalists, to, they're all important stages and you can't take any of them away. So that transcendent include was a really important concept that he talks about, not for sure, that helps to give some context, you know, for permaculture settings and social settings. Well, and it speaks to some of our ideas in permaculture about the marginal and the edges and those other spaces that as we work through our own place in the world, making sure that we're not doing it in isolation or within like an echo chamber, because there is a lot more space for us to 
interact with other people who this is meaningful to, even though if the only place that we may be able to connect is through that permaculture lens. I think it was David Holmgren who was asked, like, how do we change the world? And the comment was that we need to bring those people who are already on the fence in. And by doing so, we kind of extend that fence outward and continue to find those people who are on that edge and who are ready to take that next step but it's just kind of showing them the way. And that's what that transcendent includes sounds like is finding those people who are there with us and bringing right. them along for the journey. Yeah, and I think about the uh, Transition Towns people. What's, what's that guy's name that you've interviewed? Um, Rob Hopkins? Yeah, Rob Hopkins. So I loved how Rob Hopkins, Hopkins talked about the, the Transition Town movement as a Trojan horse for permaculture. <laughs> and he, ha- he had people that had been involved in Transition Towns for years and then learned, took a PDC or something and said, oh, I already know this. And they never use the word permaculture or food forest or any of that. And so at this point, I'm kind of looking for that Trojan horse for like these whole systems ideas in the, in the social and economic and political contexts that can, the people can hear enough mm-hmm. to start learning, get curious and learning more about, right? Radical change in perspective doesn't happen by something, someone coming at you and telling you you're wrong, right? It comes right. at you by some new idea. For me, I mean, also, I'll just be very honest, like when I got introduced to permaculture, it gradually changed my politics and worldviews as well. I mean, I'd voted Republican in pre- every presidential election since the, you know, the whenever I started voting in my, you know, eight, late teens, 20s. And it, it was sort of default. Like when I started thinking about it, like, oh, I need to vote. vote. Well, what did my, who did my dad vote for? What does the church say? Because I was part of the, the Christian church for many years there. And over a period of from 2011 till now with permaculture, but especially integral politics and just seeing how, how little I thought about what I was voting for or believing <laughs> in. This transformation happened without me really realizing until I looked back and said, holy shit. And it's... It comes from partly having just a deeper understanding of systems and what causes change, but what is the Trojan horse? What is the thought idea that can help open people up to move past where they are with partisan politics and a complete blindness to what we're doing to the environment, right? I mean, nobody is against clean air, <laughs> clean water, but there's this whole group that are just dug in against climate change. And it's like, there's no logic involved. It's people looking through limited lenses at the different stages of development. And if you don't know a level exists and a whole world view exists, you're not opposing it. You're just digging in to protect what you know and, and believe is right. So you have these people that are just like digging in on, I'm scared to death of all these, you know, the cancel culture and all of those things that have evolved forward without my concern. And I feel like my traditional values are being threatened. And I want someone to help me with that. And I don't think he did in the case of Trump, but the core motivation of just wanting to have a good life and what they believe that was, that's just a normal human motivation. That's how he got elected. He leveraged these sort of strong undercurrents in our culture and fears and values. And so I still didn't fully understand what happened there even, but I've heard some things described, you know, integral people talk about it. It's like, oh, okay, that, that makes more sense as to how that could have even happened, right? So what's the Trojan horse for getting permaculture ideals to transform systems into these other systems? And just also a way to, how do you get somebody who you can see is in a small box? How do you help them move 
out of that into a place that's going to be more healthy and more expansive for them. And then now with the questioning of, is there even truth? Like that wasn't an issue four or five years ago. There was truth and not truth, right? There was not right. alternative. To, like to that. There's a way to work with that and evolve past that. And it has certainly to do with integral thinking. I don't even know fully what it is yet, but I think right. it's incredibly forward if we're going to move forward as a world culture or crash and burn into some more, you know, zombie apocalypse scenario, right? Either of them are possible at this stage. And uh, I'm believing for the, you know, the positive outcome, but nobody knows. You personally have experienced the way that integral theory and permaculture have allowed you to look at the world differently. And so what are the inroads that you can make with others in order to share these kinds of ideas? Not necessarily that they would change their worldview, but that they would have a better understanding of where their worldview and your worldview come from so that you have more in common and more that you can talk about in wanting to build this kind of like bright, more beautiful, verdant and just future. Right. It's a big picture and a big problem to work through. And one of the things that I feel over the years is that many of the people who I have encountered within permaculture, because the audience you know, comes from the entire spectrum within the permaculture community, from, you know, very left to very right, very free to very structured and everywhere in between. But in doing so, I find that most of the time, we only differ on a couple of things. That when we really get down to it, it's like you were saying, like, who doesn't want clean air or clean water? That when we start talking about it, it's like, well, what do you want? Healthy, nutritious food for myself and my family, security moving forward making sure that there is a future there for the people who I care about. And it's like, how do we get down to those kinds of conversations and dream this big dream together? That's one of the pieces I think that I struggle with a lot is because we could have one-on-one -on -one conversations and there's a lot of change there. There's a lot of movement. And that's kind of the space that I've moved towards is showing up for individuals. I myself don't know how to show up for groups of people. I don't know how to show up for a community except to volunteer in like festivals and events and things like that and be like, you know, where can you put me? What can I do? Right. But yeah, how do we do some of this on a broader scale and at a bigger level? Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge issue because I mean, part of the reason we're friends is because I don't have a community of people that I meet with face to face that know what I'm talking about, right? One of the things that was great about the regenerative business conference I went to in San Francisco back in 2000, whatever it was, 16, 17 was, I was at this like cocktail party at the beginning of it. And I'm like, everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. It was so much fun. And so like refreshing. I'd never been in the same room with people that actually had an idea about what regenerative systems were, right? And everybody did. That community piece is a huge piece, and I'd like to figure out how to create that where I am, not only in the context of a bigger picture, like how do we change things, but just what's community look like for a group of people to support each other and grow together and raise kids together. Uh, there's a, a large piece of that that happened for me in the past in the Christian community. Depending on the community, there's really great support for for development and emotions and, you know, family values and all that stuff. And so I got that, but I'm not there anymore. I'm not an evangelical anymore. Right. And so I still believe in God, but like, I had to look at that or even what I believed 10 years ago and felt, I just, I don't see it that way. It's everything that was beautiful and valuable is still there. So I've sort of very much transcended and included, but I'm not interested in going to a congregation on Sunday morning. Right. 
So what's the five or 10 groups of families I can find where we hang out and break bread and maybe meditate or whatever, but also talk about raising kids, talk about politics and changing systems. Like what's that look like? I don't know how to do that. My wife and I've been looking for that and talking about it for years now. And Kansas City is where I was living. And now I'm in a small town, Bend, Oregon, 100,000 people. I want to step back to one, something you said a second ago. So we're talking about systems. So like everybody wants clean air and clean water. Everybody wants to be able to have insurance that doesn't cost 25% of their income. There's these several different pieces of that, like healthcare. I worked in insurance for several years and, and Obamacare came about during that time. And it's like, you know, everybody's talking about insurance and whether we should have it and the cost of it. It's like, well, you're never going to solve insurance unless you start looking at the cost of healthcare. Like what does the doctor in the hospital charge? And why is an MRI $4,000? Like until you look at the systems they've created that the cost, you're not going to solve insurance, right? <laughs> like you can talk about insurance all day long. And it's amazing. Even to this day, I rarely hear anyone talk about that. Right. And so uh, there's a perfect example of how you need to under- have a deeper understanding of both systems, economics, and politics. All of those are wrapped up in healthcare, right? Yeah. If you're going to ever see any change. For the most part, I think most people, and I'll say, I'll include myself in this on some days, I don't have a lot of hope that it's ever going to change. Fortunately, I've seen all of these other ideas and people practicing different experiments and getting results that I believe it can change, right? And I believe there can, <laughs> the world can change because simultaneously we have all this regression of people back to previous level of development to the degree to, you know, taking to the streets with weapons over relatively simple surface issues, you know, when you get down to some of them that have happened the last couple of years. And so we've got to step and evolve to a different place of how we even address these problems if we're going to have any possibility of changing them. It's not just coming the left coming hard at the right and the right coming hard at the left. Everyone has to understand the perspective of the other ones coming from fully. Otherwise, you can't speak to them. That's the other, one of the things about uh, integral theory is a multi-perspectival kind of viewpoint. So understanding, okay, I don't agree with someone who voted for Trump, but I understand where they're coming from and what's important to them and those family values that are anchoring them that they feel threatened on. And so I can see why they made this decision. Being able to understand those different perspectives is a huge piece in understanding how to have a relationship and how to move forward in solving problems, right? Because the, the thing that's scary about politics in the world right now is, or in specifically America, there's huge issues that if all hands were on deck and we're functioning in a healthy and intelligent way, we got a ton of work to do, but we're barely even getting to the work because politics is so broken. So we're not even addressing the issues. They're getting worse. And like the country's getting more divided and turning to violence on the streets. And people talk about civil wars and like, are you kidding me? Did you read what the civil war was like? And the issues we're dealing with, they're not worth like shedding blood in the streets. They're important, but we certainly can address them short of that, right? So anyway. I grew up in the church myself. My wife is Orthodox. And so I'm experiencing what her church is like as a community and offering as a space for people to come together. We're going to attend, they do a faith and fandom convention called Doxicon, which is all about like they have a keynote speaker who is a priest, a keynote speaker who is a secular individual. All the speakers are talking about like different fandoms. So like the priest is going to be talking about Dune from an Orthodox perspective. And like 
it just is really interesting to see like all of these different things come together in one place and acknowledging both the inside of the body of the church and the outside, as you were saying, that internal and external of the it and its. Mm -hmm. and, and it makes me think about like myself or like what you were saying about looking for a sense of community. I feel like for me, one of the things that's happened is that we've traded our ability to work and earn money for community that the things that we used to rely on within community, we used to trade with our neighbors and things like that, money now buys. You don't have the same kind of meals and everything else because we've all been able to move away from our friends, our families. You get a job that takes you somewhere else. You're no longer around those people who you've spent years with. And it's one of those pieces that I've struggled with because of being, like sitting here as the host of the show over the years, I know hundreds of people all over the country and all over the world, but I know only two or three people where I live. How do we exist when we don't have an in-place on-the-ground community, and can we build virtual communities? That is an interesting dynamic of what's going on in the world right now, because I, my job, I have never face-to-face -face met several people in my company, and um, we worked, we're 70% virtual before COVID even hit. I was working from the office where there was some of the employees just to get to know people, but there's a whole company being run and doing business, and we meet over Zoom. We do meetings with clients over Zoom uh, in the telephone and email. And it's a functioning company, which is a functioning community. And then they sold to another larger company recently. And so now there's this whole other group of people and culture that is in place that's at another level of function, a higher level of function. And so there's a lot I'm learning and going to be learning about how they do business and how they've become a larger company that's purchased several others in the space. But at the same time, you know, the big fear for me was, well, are they just going to be all about numbers? Is this going to be a place I can even thrive, right? And over the last several months, I've come to realize, yeah, I'm going to learn a ton and I'm going to be even better equipped because they're at a lot higher level than the other company was. And they were just sort of stuck at the place they were to a certain degree. And so selling that company to this other company was the best thing they could have done to move everything forward and move the careers of the employees forward. So that's great, right? That's really encouraging. Mm -hmm. So that's completely virtual community. My livelihood is coming completely virtually. And I've met none of the people from the new bigger company face-to-face -face at all, right? And I got hired. I didn't meet anyone face-to-face. -face. I got hired over Zoom. So I am in a perfect example. My whole livelihood is through the virtual world. That's interesting because that's different than 10 or 15 years ago, for sure. I mean, from your experience, it sounds like that's certainly a possibility that from like a business perspective and what you're encountering, that it is possible to create virtual community. But I also think about it like, I never met you in person before you started doing anything for the show. Like we only had our first We still have meeting. never met in person. We no. still haven't. Yeah. So we're completely virtual as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, we did phone calls and email for years. And I think our first video chat was only a year or two ago when mm -hmm. like the pandemic actually started to right. so do phone calls when I was out walking around or you'd be running right. errands or something in your car. I used to drive a lot. So I was from the car. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I have a huge value for face to face and I miss it, but definitely there's something that's happening and it's sort of emerging out of this sort of connected internet world that is viable. Right and creativity and create, you know, all of that is happening and can happen through this new format. So, and that speaks to another issue. How does our understanding and our management and our regulation of information and of the internet evolve, right? Because basically, you know, it started, you know, I remember the dot-com days in the late, you know, 90s, 2000s, whatever, and seeing these companies come and the internet was all about the great 
free frontier. And Google was this cool, edgy company that was doing things different, right? And that was the cool, one of the really cool things about those early days. And then all those companies just turned into these big behemoth billion dollar companies that are maybe even more scary in what they can do and control than the, the banker barons of the 80s or the whatever robber barons of the 20s. And so it's like sort of same old story here, except for they got the power to completely surveil every aspect of your life, right? So what do we, how do we take a look at the power of that and what's going on and create a context in which everyone can thrive in that situation, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a huge issue that most, that we don't even fully understand yet. We're just understanding some of the consequences of it, you know, in the last several years, but we don't even understand the, the depth of, what was functioning that caused those things to happen, like people getting elected, whatever, right? And that very much mm -hmm. goes back to integral theory and some of those sociological understandings. The web by the people for the people where they're protected, right? Kind of like the we all organization for you know everyone thriving in different cultures, like everyone's got to thrive in the digital realm as well. I came up in the early to mid nineties on the internet I remember those days and it was kind of Wild West-ish where it was like anything goes. That myth of the Wild West, I should say, because the reality right. was the Wild West was pretty well controlled. But yeah, the way that information was really free, a lot of the cyberpunk was still really punk. And we were talking a lot about sharing information and how do we access all these things. But that we also still kind of trusted the information that we were receiving then. And there were still kind of experts right. and... I don't want to say gatekeepers, but there was certainly a lot more curation of information than what we see now. And yeah, I just wonder if we'll see some kind of return to that or if it will become more and more integrated into some kind of a vertical hierarchy where it is that Twitter or Facebook or Google can cut off that flow of information whenever they want. It's feeling like it's going in that negative direction, but podcasting is a perfect example. I owe a great deal of my my sort of transformation of worldview to the internet, right? A YouTube video, permaculture, and other, many other podcasts. So the ability for anyone to turn a mic on and talk about stuff, the stuff they were talking about 10 years before that, I would never have heard on the radio. I would never have had the idea, the exposure to those ideas. So yeah. I'm all about the wild, incredible freedom of information that podcasting and just the internet, you know, has created. But it is getting more like regulated and closed down. And now certain people are just exclusively posting on Spotify for these huge deals. And so it's changing. And I don't know if the same freedom of topic will always exist the way it has in the last 10, 15 years in podcasting, mm -hmm. right? I hope it does. And it still is free, but it's, it's a two-pronged problem, right? Because you're trying to figure out how to make a living and support yourself doing it. But at the same time, you don't want it just to turn into the commercial model of television, right? That drove us all crazy. I grew up hating commercials and you had to sit through them. Or now we're paying to not be served ads through our digital right. services. Yeah. I remember growing up, there were pirate radio stations. And even if the information that we have right now gets controlled, I mean, I've had people contact me to put a bunch of files on a CD and mail them to somebody or on a thumb drive or something like that to send it out. Mm -hmm. So I imagine the information will still be there. But yeah, I just hope that this, this resurgence of people being able to talk and share information continues because I think that it allows us to have conversations that we wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And from very yeah. different people and, and perspectives. And there was a podcast I used to listen to, Triangulation. This guy's in Silicon Valley that talked about internet business kind of stuff. 
But from a pretty holistic perspective, like a deeper understanding, never would have been exposed to a bunch of guys in Silicon Valley that had worked in those fields and had ideas, right? The permaculture yeah. people, the, you know, there's just many different groups that I've been exposed to that I wouldn't have. Maybe there was books about them, but you're not going to read the book necessarily if you don't exist or if you don't know what it means if you saw it on the shelf and you hear two people talking in a conversation, all of a sudden new worlds open up because you're interested in the conversation. It's a way to mm -hmm. enter into a conversation, literally, right? That you would have previously had to be in the same room with them. So yeah. huge. That may be one of the most significant like developments of the modern era, right? I mean, just the internet in general is, but that ability to enter into a conversation with people, you know, and one of the most beautiful creative parts of the internet is this freedom of information, this freedom to enter into conversations and, and be exposed to ideas in a way that is a lot more accessible than reading a book. Because hearing two people talk, it's a lot easier to listen to than reading a book or even an audio, audible book where it's just one guy reading the narrative, right? Because right. some of those audible books are like seminars where they're talking to a group of people and they're way easier to listen to than a guy sitting in front of a mic, right? Just in the conversation that we've had today, you know, you mentioned Ken Wilber, you mentioned the integral recovery folks. There are a couple other names that you dropped here. Those are the kinds of things then that if this conversation that we've had today interests someone, they can go find those resources. They can go explore these ideas further in ways that you mentioned names that I wouldn't have been aware of probably in days of research and just the way that we kind of shortcut a lot of that just because we're talking about things that we care about and people right. get to kind of tune into that a little. With that said, are there some resources that you'd like to drop for the listeners to learn more about folks like Ken Wilber or Integral Theory, Spiral Dynamics, any of these pieces that you've brought up today? So there's a couple of podcasts that are done by Integral folks. Uh, there's two of them, Daily Evolver with Jeff Saltzman, and he talks about any kind of host of different issues, but really interesting. He's been at it for a long time. He has a deep understanding of integral theory. And then the one that's put on by the guy who kind of runs the integral life website that has some great introduction stuff and lots of other content is everyone is right. Integral life podcast. So, but yeah, I think they now have a really great introduction to integrals. So if you sign up for their like mailing list, they, they have a whole like thing that introduces it to you. And then also put a couple of those other links to some of those other integral books, like crowdocracy is the one that's looking at different ways to change our political system and also developmental politics by Steve McIntosh. And he has a post-progressive website that he should put together that has like a, a survey on it. You can take and kind of figure out where you are in this, whether you're progressive or post-progressive, and then like these kind of suggestions on how to move forward with your values in meaningful ways. And so it's a really interesting place that I want to look at a little bit more on something you can port someone to, to, okay, how do I grow as a person? How do I have my values heard, but also understand the larger context that I'm operating in, right? So- um, so yeah, that post-progressive is, is an interesting one. It's a new one. And then, well, I guess this is the first time that you've been on the other side of the mic for me for something like this. So right. before we draw this conversation to a close, what are your final thoughts, David, for the listeners? Well, I should have thought of this before now, right? I, of course, I wasn't sure what we were exactly going to talk about today either. So, um, you know, the thing that I've noticed about all of the people that I've interviewed in regenerative business and permaculture and whatever is that the ones that I've most like resonated with and been touched by, if you will, there's a spiritual component, a spiritual death. Martin Ping, sweetest guy, definitely like very deep. He's, he's got a lot more going on than just what's on the surface, right? So there's several people that I met in San Francisco like that, where there's just this really deep undercurrent. So to change the world, it really does start with, we have to change. And there's multiple 
aspects of what creates change in a human being, right? So you got the spiritual life, you've got your exercise, your neurological life, you've got your physical health, you've got your relational life, your emotional maturity, right? So life is completely interconnected. I love the way Charles Eisenstein talks about that interdependence and kind of come from the Buddhist realm. Um, we're deeply interdependent both on each other, ecologically, the forests and the oceans, on the internet and our value and how we govern that. So to ask ourselves, I guess, what can I do to like move forward into wholeness, considering all of these different aspects and perspectives and viewpoints on life? Well, David, thank you for that. And for the two of us to sit down and talk on the Permaculture Podcast. All right. And that was my co-host, David Bilbrey. David's website, which includes the interviews he's recorded for the Permaculture Podcast, is at ecothinkit.com. You'll find a link to that and many other resources from this conversation in the show notes. We're looking to have David turn the mic towards me sometime in the future. So if you have any questions you'd like David to include in that interview, or ones you'd like me to ask him as a follow-up to today's conversation, leave a comment or get in touch. Call or text 717-827-6266. Email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com. Until the next time, show up every day while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.